Welcome to the Authentic Feminine Ecstasy podcast, a place where we explore our innate intimate freedom. And today I have the pleasure to be with Luna, which I feel this conversation takes us on and beyond what we began to share with Emma on our last podcast and the power and uh, beauty of getting us into the art of communication. And um, so here we are. I've never really spoken spoken briefly with Luna before. This is a, a conversation with the perfect stranger. And uh, let me say a little bit about what I know of Luna. Um, she's a somatic sexological body worker and a facilitator of embodied intimacy. And she runs her practice in Lisbon, Portugal, and attends sex positive events to teach workshops and inspire adults to transform their relationship to sex, their body and love. So welcome, Luna. Welcome to this podcast and see what conversation emerges from us. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to connect with you and to, uh, yeah, share this, this sharing, see what comes. <laughs> and although we're saying see what comes, we really want to very much bring this conversation to this incredible, challenging, delicious, fearful subject, which is sex. And um, I like to begin by asking you the question, which is, what is, after your years of exploration and inquiry, what is your cutting edge realization? Where are you in relationship to that subject and tell us a little bit about it. Mm. Um, my journey right now with sexuality is um, really coming around full circle. Um, what's present for me at the moment has been this integration of all the parts of me. Um, my, my, my personal journey and my professional work has taken me on a deep exploration of sex and um, it has been quite focused recently on uh, sacred sexuality over the last few years, um, exploring things like Tantra and with my work really exploring um, consent and uh, communication being a big part of all of that world. Um, And recently I've also been exploring and coming back to um, some of the more kinky parts of sex, some of the darker sides. Um, and what it's been has been a journey of integrating all these parts of me. Um, yeah, the things that have been pushed into the shadow through shame, through, um, through taboo and bringing everything back to create um, what feels really full. Like right now I feel like I'm personally exploring my sexuality in a very whole way where I'm, I'm really looking in all the other, all the other, all the parts. 
um, and trying to bring it into an integrated place, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, as I hear you speaking, I have so many uh, pathways opening in front of me. One of them being um, about uh, moving sexuality outside the exclusive relationships mm -hmm. where we, for millennia, we have been under this structure that you need to get married and then you have sex and then you have babies until death has to part. <laughs> <laughs> It is relatively recent that we have adventured into the possibility that sexuality is inclusive and that one can have different and plural sexual partners of different genders, etc., etc. And also the the other the other thing that comes for me, which I did have a podcast not so long ago. Um, with a woman that experienced BDSM and um, pain and uh, the, the, the need for that, the source within herself for that. And so when you talked about kinky sex, the shadow was repressed. Uh, also came, you know, that podcast I had um, that was really revealing and important, that freedom. So, and of course, there is many, many more avenues. <laughs> so I like to begin by perhaps maybe for the people who are listening to us and maybe they're more uh, used to um, the model of the romantic model that mm -hmm. you fall in love with someone. And then in that safety, you undo yourself emotionally, physically, and and in every level, you begin to let yourself be revealed. And there is a safety for you to explore that sexuality. If we are going to be moving away from that, what is the transition? And do you have yourself moved from a more exclusive long-term relationships and then found yourself where you are now? Tell us this journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, definitely. I've been practicing consensual non-monogamy for about eight years now. Um, I did have monogamous relationships in my younger years, from like 18 to 23. I had my, my childhood sweetheart kind of uh, relationship. Um, and yeah, in my early 20s is when I started to discover that uh, there was another way of relating, um, which really changed my world. Um, there's no right or wrong, you know, and I really believe uh, we choose what is good for us. For some people, uh, monogamy is, uh, is something that, that works for them and is uh, needed to feel safe in this world and in the relationship. Um, for me, consensual non-monogamy has, yeah, given me the opportunity to uh, feel the freedom that I need in this world. Uh, I'm curious to ask you what made you go from monogamy to consensual um, sexuality, many partners um, mm -hmm. situation? Well, I'll tell you, I, um, 
you know, I was very much in love. I had this deep relationship with this person um, that I, uh, I thought I was going to marry. Um, yeah, I saw my life with, with him. Um, and towards the end of that relationship, I moved to a new city and I met another person that I suddenly started to fall for. It was a friend that I, um, I started to fall in love with. And um, I was suddenly in a dilemma where I was feeling I had this person in my life that I really thought I could be with, could be with for the, the rest of my life. And then this new exciting person who was, uh, you know, like a rock star, he was completely opposite to what my partner was. And um, I went home uh, to see my mum in distress, actually. And I remember meeting her and sitting her down and saying, um, I have a big problem in that I'm, I'm in love with two people. And my mom at the time said to me, um, you know, that's, that's not true. It's impossible. You can't love more than one person. Um, you have to make a decision. In some ways she was right in that, in that situation, um, it wasn't a fair thing that I, you know, I was in love with two people and they didn't know about each other and it would have caused distress to my current partner. Um, but at that time in my life, I had to make a decision, which was to break up with my, with my love. Um, because I, from what I was being told by society, by my family, was that it's impossible to love two people. If I'd known then what I know now, I think that could have been a very different scenario because um, as I moved through life over the last few years, I've, I've learned that actually it's really possible to love more than one person for me. I've been through relationships. Um, I've had multiple relationships with different people where there has been a, a true uh, deep love between us. Um, and of course that, requires a lot of communication and it requires a big shift in the way that we uh, think and feel about relationships. Um, but when I discovered that this was a possibility, that there was this possibility to have multiple love relationships with people, that was the time when I found my freedom because it really felt authentic to me that this is, this is the way that I want to love. Um, I never felt uh, comfortable with the idea that I might end up marrying this person and being with them for the rest of my life. That, that scared me a lot. Um, and I knew that there was more to explore for me. So that's, that's how I came to, to this. And I never looked back, to be honest. Um, I don't think I would be, I don't think I will have a monogamous relationship again. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, what, what comes to mind for me right now as I hear you speak, and I'm sure it's a familiar story for many people who are listening to us right now, is the word love. There is a difference for me between, I mean, love for me is an energy that is not yours or mine or anyone's. It's what happens when I open to the, energy to consciousness. I am in the body. 
to, to the degree that I'm experiencing I'm an opening, then that's experience is a buzz that happens. Now that gets triggered by different people because we are used to looking out. And I've come to see that there is different ways in which this vibration, because I feel we are electromagnetic beings, you know, electricity on the gravitas of the earth, which is the magnetism. And we can experience this connection, this vibe with somebody at the mental level. And I call that is a kind of a quality of attention, like you and I right now, I think we've exchanging the love at a mental level. We don't have our bodies, we're just sitting here. Well, not necessarily, we could have had connection at a different level, but right now it feels quite attention mm -hmm. because probably we're doing a podcast, we're very focused on what we're saying. And then there is another way in which I can experience connection, which is love through um, the, the um, uh, emotional level. And it's like affection, right, with somebody. And you have this affection for them. And then there is another way in which it manifests, which is like vita the vital level, the energy level, which is tenderness. And, and one way in which I know that is like with my animals, it's kind of vital, it's energy, it's like a tenderness that comes, it's like, wow, in my body. Yeah? And then, of course, there is the, the physical one, which is that love at the physical level, which is the sexual. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's how we can connect. And sometimes with somebody can be at all the levels all at the same time, but that rarely happens for any length of time. Mm -hmm. And different people, we meet at different levels. So I'm wondering maybe you and your partner had a, a love, a emotional level or mental level, but the, 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 the sexual, the physical was not um, such a strong uh, love vibration there. Mm -hmm. Um but all of that, it's kind of the way, it's a way of understanding the human experience of love in different manifestations. But then there is our culture, which if I don't experience myself as vibration because I'm cut off, the only way I'm going to connect with another is either through headbutting through my mind, yeah, or another way, if I'm afraid of my emotions, which here is where it comes the communication side, because we don't know what we feel. We're not reading ourselves. We don't know, how, let alone how to communicate it. And you say consent. Well, do I know what consent is? And there's something I like you to talk more about. Um, is that the only, I feel, I feel an emptiness. And then I want to connect through another, through these bars and sexual energy is a very potent energy when it comes through the physical, because it embodied us, embodies us deeply. And then it can be very addictive. And we know our culture is addicted, pornography and, you know, and wank yourself and release yourself quickly. And to me, that's got nothing to do with connection, love, intimacy, but it's happening. So when we're looking at multiple partners, non-monogamous relationships and not being exclusive with anyone, it's like for some of us that have this need to escape or addiction, then well, it's like a free fuck with everyone. But ultimately, I'm terrified of opening. So I'm rubbing myself with lots of people in a more mm, a pleasurable way because I can get good at it. Okay, and I know how to press all the buttons. <laughs> um, 
but there's a profound emptiness. And I want to bring this at the outset of our conversation, because for many people in the audience, especially the people who are saving a monogamous relationship and the pain also it causes when another one looks elsewhere and starts, you know, like it happened to you, you know, that you, we say we fall in love. We fall in love with somebody else or are you having a need that's not being met in that relationship. And then you go with that person, you get that need met, and then you think, oh, but I'm not getting this other stuff met. I had it all with the other one. So there is a whole stuff here. And then, of course, at attachments and security and children and mortgage. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's massive. So um, I'm laying it before us and I'm leaving it discards, upturned in front of our table and for you to pick one and just begin to see what you want to say on, on, on all of what I shared or exposed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot there to, to go with. Um, I'll say that I have been, I have been thinking about this recently and um, exploring the difference between free love and free sex mm. and I have been questioning that myself over the last few years because like you said it's easy um, if you're practicing consensual non-monogamy to just have sex with lots of different people and say that this is me um, having multiple relationships but are you um, is there really intimacy there like are you really going deep and um, that's what I've kind of been challenging myself with, actually, for the last, more quite recently, um, in the last couple of years, is uh, can I really open my heart, I think, is, is the thing. Can I really open my heart to multiple people? Um, I think we, I think we're born with open hearts. We, as children, we are, we have open hearts and we are able to love and just, it's just kind of pure at that time in our lives um, and as we get older we we start to close because all the things that are piled on top of us since we're as we grow up um, yeah the shame and things around sexuality um, the heartbreaks um, and or what we say is a heartbreak and so as we get older, we start to close down. And I think, I think often when people are in the monogamous relationships, they're there because they feel safe there, that they can just have their heart open in that one place. Um, but so, yeah, the question that I've been with recently is, you know, can I really, really keep that heart open to um, these different people that I'm relating with? Um, and on top of that, I also feel, um, there is the keeping the heart open for all the types of love that you said, the friendships and the family, um, yeah, living with that, that openness for everyone, not just your romantic relationships. Um, I've learned that when you do open the heart it's difficult 
I've learned that. I've learned that actually um, the concept of free love is uh, extremely hard, especially in a society that doesn't really support it. Um, for me, my experiences of the last couple of years where I, and I have been in um, uh, deep love relationships with multiple people is that um, it's complex. It's so complex and it brings up uh, a lot of fear and, and um, it's a scary place to be. It feels vulnerable, I would say, when the heart is open in so many places. Um, Tell me the other complexities. What is it that it opens you into? What's the fear? Tell us a little bit about it. Um, for me personally, it's it's been um, the fear of uh, being seen in this. I don't know if this is relative, but what I've been um, feeling recently is that uh, in relationships where I feel comfortable, I feel comfortable in uh, a relationship with multiple people. I feel that I'm not supported in it by society, by the outside world. So I feel, um, you know, deeply in love with two people and wanting to go out and express that and shout about that and just be that in the world. Free, freedom, expressive. This is who I am and this is how I love. I have these two, two people in my life um, that I am, you know, fully, fully in love with and they know about each other and they care also for each other. Um, and being met by, uh, yeah, the, the reaction often uh, is that people don't believe you, you know, they don't believe you somehow that it's possible. Um, and yeah, sometimes it's hard to be seen in that, I would say. Um, and of course, uh, these people that you are going out with at the moment, there's two people in your life. Um, this, I'm talking about a past relationship that I was in. Yeah. That was with two, with two people. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were also in relationships with other people. Um, yeah, so this, <laughs> uh, see, I'm actually getting like, oh, a little bit embarrassed. Do I start, do I talk about this? Do I bring this yes, in? Go, go. <laughs> okay. Um, so this was actually a triad relationship. So this relationship I'm talking about was a, um, was a relationship with two people, but the three of us were in a relationship. So it was um, a male, a female, and me, and we were all together in in the relationship. So um, that's another level of um, relating, which is even more uh, hard to bring out into the world because people really, again, they're really challenging that um, that dynamic, that kind of constellation. Um, yeah, I, I spent one and a half years in this in this constellation. And um, where did it end? It ended with the feeling that it was too hard to to be in this. How we expressed it was too much love. It was um, so much uh, 
And maybe when you express love as energy, that also makes sense to me. It's like there was too much energy. There was too much love in the space. Um, it was kind of overwhelming for all of us. In a way, it got to a point where we, we questioned, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? We are we're in this entanglement where you know we both love him, but we love I love her and we love each other and it feels really, really strong and powerful, but at the same time really scary. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Um in that um we didn't know how to be in the world. It was the the fear of being seen in that type of uh in that type of love that people don't understand. But more than that, be, beyond the how you were being seen or not, was that you struggle to manage that energy. Because mm -hmm. as I said earlier, sexuality is a very powerful energy. And with how many people you can be alchemical with, because it's not about the other, it's about you. How fast do you process, manage all of this? And we're not equipped, as you said, we're in a society that doesn't approve that. So we're not used to, we're breaking out of what we have inherited. And it's a worthwhile inquiry. But for the individual that's aiming to go into this path of, um, how do you call it? Consented. Consensual non-monogamy. Consensual non-monogamy and all of these new words that are coming through, um, how do we, who can guide us? How do we go about? Like, for example, I know because I work with uh, women and with men, but, um, and I've worked with couples a lot, and how the sexuality that we were talking earlier, that it becomes addictive or is something we do to release our tension because we're not emotionally intelligent, and all of those things that happens in monogamous relationships, um, how the person, especially the women that they're the womb bearers, feel all this energy of the male that's discharging. The male is discharging inside you. And the discharge is not just the semen. Mm -hmm. It's the energy. It's all, he's like a bat, like when you go to a restaurant, you have a cook that is angry or in a bad mood or is not with his heart open. That food doesn't sit well inside you. Maybe you're not that sensitive and you won't notice, but it's not so amazing. And I'm thinking about that film, Chocolat, you know, how we can transmit all of our energies through food. So let alone through sex, you're absorbing the other in. And the female, the biological person that carries the, the, the female organs will be the one to, to, to you know, it's like in, in biology, we, the sperm creates the baby, you know, the, uh, uh, when it unites with the egg and then you begin to create life and the woman is holding it. So the same with, with, with the energy. So, and that's my question. How do we, how do we go about? Because the monogamy creates a lot of fear and stagnant, and the other one of opening up creates a lot of uh, confusion, fear, and all of this dilemma. For example, of absorbing 
new people's energy you have sex i don't know how many people you have actively sex at the moment but all these people as a female body you carry inside you so alchemically speaking how good is that for you for the for you personally for for the individuals so what do you want to say about that mm. yeah when we when we think about how powerful sexual energy is um it's uh i agree that we definitely need to be careful um always be careful about who we're relating with and who we're bringing in um i guess this is also where the difference between free love and free sex exactly. i think you know it's um and often people will say they're practicing consensual non-monogamy but they are um just having sexual relationships with with different people um there's no judgment in that but um i think when you start to um open your heart naturally when you start to open your heart you will find that you're not able to actually have multiple multiple uh sexual partners so what i would say in that if is that if someone is um seems to be having sex with lots and lots of people there's a good chance that they're not actually opening their heart when you open your heart in and practice non-consensual monogamy you'll be lucky if you can do that with three people you know i was doing it with two and it was super super difficult and i've had different periods in my life where that's maybe gone up to three people and it is it's hard work it is um you are in a process you're in a in a in a process kind of uh constantly because you are dealing with all the emotions that are coming up um so i would say that yeah like i i don't recommend um going out and practicing consensual non-monogamy and having sex with lots of people um what i feel is the interesting part is when we start to practice this in a way where the heart opens and then go into that inquiry and it's human research in a way that um yeah you you have to start to really look very deeply into all the emotions that are happening inside of you um and you need to start changing the way that you relate so um that's where the communication comes in and the openness and um in consensual non-monogamy when when it's heart based um it means that you are really really pushing constantly to bring transparency through um to bring that openness uh yeah you have to be you have to be truthful you have to be transparent everything has to be on the table and you have to be constantly communicating so it's a lot of work it's really I, a lot yeah. i just love the what you just said here because that for all of the people who are listening to us that for me is the litmus test of the difference between are you getting addicted to the buzz to the hormonal up and down the chemistry in your body because you're feeling empty and you have found this way um 
or are you de in deep intimacy and communication with yourself and with another? And the litmus test is how open your heart is. Mm -hmm. And as you said it beautifully, you're lucky if you can manage that with more mm -hmm. than two or three people. Because it requires this work. And this work for me is the cleaning up, the shame, the inheritance that we carry, the legacy from our forefathers, from our, from our foremothers of what intimacy is. And for me, intimacy is not sex. For me, intimacy is the willingness to take the masks out in front of another and let yourself be seen, which is what we long for. And we fall in love because and there is this kind of like stage of like babies, you know, like baby love, you know, because you let your mask down. Now, when you let your mask down, your guard down for a moment, what's going to come out? It's all your pain. It's all your conditioning. It's all your fears, everything, all your attachments, all your loneliness, all your darkest emotion. And so this is, this is the work. And if, People who are into this inquiry are willing to have this intimacy with themselves and research in their hearts of what's going on. Then we're not talking about addiction. We're talking about expanding love and, and intimacy and relationship, which is what's most needed in our culture and what's most lacking. So I feel like what we're bringing here is the key uh, for our society to begin to evolve into a humanity that is deeply human and deeply intimate and deeply connected. And that is this capacity to remove masks, to be seen in our inherited shadow and fears which are in our mind, in our belief system, and the emotions are responding to this belief system, and then our bodies follow suit. But basically, we don't know how to be in relationship with all of that. And what I'm hearing from you is that when you open to this adventure, you open the door of the heart out of the safety of the monogamy, you are forced to enter relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And foremost with yourself, because for me, that's where it begins. When you can actually see your attachment, see your fear, rather than punish another one for your own insecurities or punish yourself. Mm -hmm. Want to say more on that one? Yeah, I mean, the big thing that comes up in consensual non-monogamy is the question of jealousy and all of those icky feelings that arise that um, essentially we don't want to feel. And I think a lot of people that are um, in monogamous relationships or feel that they will say, I cannot be in a non-monogamous relationship is the fear of feeling jealousy, of feeling anger or rage around attachment or um, feeling needy. Um, all of these things that, that this is what people often ask me is the question of jealousy comes up a lot um, and it's a misconception to say that non people in non-monogamous relationships don't get jealous 
you know, I can say I, I've been practicing polyamory for eight years. That doesn't mean that I've suddenly cracked the key of not feeling jealousy or, um, yeah, somehow cracking my attachment style and, and seeing everything clearly. So I know exactly what to do and how to relate. Um, not at all. Like jealousy is present often. Um, fear is present often. Um, anger can come up. All of these emotions that we are capable of feeling can come up in, in that space. And, um, what it's about is actually truly expressing it. And that's the taking off the mask as well and saying, yes, I am jealous. And then saying, this is what I need right now to support this, um, to recognizing it's there, to admitting it, that it's there as well. Um, but without, without blaming the other, because the contract is that you're all free. So you can't just... Uh, re uh, tell the other that he's doing it wrong or she's doing it wrong because mm -hmm. there is a consent, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Left, you can't attack anyone because of your own difficulty to manage your own feelings of jealousy mm -hmm. and attachment and anger and all of that. So that's yeah. a very important point. Mm -hmm. yeah. you got to develop the muscle where most people are not willing to develop, which is I can stay present in front of my own insecurity, which is the source of jealousy, mm -hmm. right? I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling empty. I get filled up through you, through this moment so delicious that we love of being in intimacy with somebody. And then you're going to go and you're going to go with somebody else. I mean, mm -hmm. what? what? I mean, is there somebody better than me? <laughs> right so so that insecurity it's it's in me regardless even if you didn't go with somebody else so it exposes that insecurity and for me that insecurity is the 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 achilles and the pointer to our disconnection and that and that's the falling in love you fall out of yourself to make another one make you feel feelings that you would feel if you were innately connected with source, with who you are. Mm -hmm. And I always say that the feelings of falling in love mirror you in that which is innate in us. But we attribute to the other. You're the one that makes me feel that magic, that expansion, that eroticism, that tenderness, that softness, that vibrancy, that magic. How can you go anywhere else? I need you here 24-7. Mm -hmm. That is the source for me of the jealousy because you, I'm going to lose apparently uh, through you that you go elsewhere. That's something that I can't lose because it's mine. It's me. Mm -hmm. it's, a I think it's a part of me. But if I see it out, I'm insecure and jealousy is for sure. Mm-hmm. Even matches. I mean, <laughs> and jealousy is there for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's a deep practice to to shift that, to change that, and to be able to, um, like in consensual non monogamy, we talk about the practice of compersion, and this is to um, really support your partner in their other um, expressions of love and to. 
um, feel good about it to to support them in it because if they are going and receiving love and nourishing themselves um, in a way that is not from you, uh, I think it is something that should be celebrated because it's that is that I'm allowing you to um, seek nourishment outside of me, and at the same time, I find. You know, personally, when I'm practicing compersion, which would be in a, a moment that my partner goes uh, with another partner, um, my practice would be to come back to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the self-love comes in. That's where the self-pleasure comes in. That's where the, um, the nourishing of, of ourselves comes in so that we... And I feel that's where you can shift what essentially starts as jealousy or can be jealousy. It's like turning jealousy into compassion by um, recognizing that that you can take that moment to actually just be with you and that, yeah, feel you and and bring that self-love and then celebrate that other person for also um, being able to find love and nourishment in somebody else. That's that's to me that's where love begins. Mm-hmm. Because not because when I say I want you to be to stay to do this in order for me to feel this that and the other that's not love, and then I say if you love me you would do this that and the other that's not love. Love sets mm-hmm. us free. So if you are getting a connection with somebody else at a different level. Like, for example, if, uh, you know, if you had uh, an emotional connection or a mental connection with anybody, then I wouldn't feel jealousy. So it's when it comes to sexuality, right? Mm. So, so maybe you have a type of connection with somebody else or combination that really uh, touches something in you deeply. Yeah, and of course, we're talking in the context of opening our hearts, of true intimacy. And to me, that's the beginning of love. This is what I feel and my work with couples of saying, uh, can we be exclusive out of fear or out of freedom? Because you can choose to be exclusive with someone, but it's not that you're exclusive. It's that you genuinely want to stay there. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not caging them. But this love is caging each other. It's the love based in my need. It's the love based on un- unfulfilled childhood unmet needs. And I want to reproduce them with this significant other. Mm-hmm. But this is a kind of like, to me, it's like now I, I feel, I mean, I know that we need to begin to come to an end of, of this conversation. And certainly we can continue because I like to know more about consent and what you mean by that. But for me, we are at an age that we need to move from survival consciousness to the next expansion of consciousness, which is the relational consciousness. And that requires love being able. And love is what I call undefended feeling. When I don't defend, like even now in front of you, I don't know you, we've never met before, you know, we just a face in a in a screen, you know, and how can how defended I am in front of you? How undefended? How can I suffer? You're another being, you know, another human being in same energy in this 
kind of avatar that is your your expression and how can i be undefended in front of that and how can i relate to you you know and at the moment that we're undefended relationship happens and then love occurs and it's not yours and it's not mine it's not like oh, i'm falling in love with you <laughs> <laughs> or oh, the other way around and now possession mm-hmm. i found her you know <laughs> she makes me feel heart open no where opening right now is an is a self-responsible act of daring to not defend in front of you and and then the magic happens mm-hmm. can you feel it at the moment i start to yeah. talking about us is already happening here rather than talking about abstract ideas that we've been exploring it's like here we are it's two individuals how defended are we yeah i feel it already it's like recognizing that it just just to soften and say okay it's that authenticity of just really allowing yourself to be seen and connecting with that person we can and should be practicing this every day every right? day every person that we meet yeah. that's polyamory then you're really seeing yeah. people <laughs> yeah This is what I do, you know, with my dogs, with the tree, with everyone. And of course, it doesn't mean that you're going to go and jump into sex with all these people and all these trees and all these dogs and all these children, you know. It's like I feel like with children, there's this recognition, you know, they pass because they see me open, because they are open. And often the adults around them are like, so they go, they just... You know, they just want to be with me because there's a resonance. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that it has to be physical, that sexual love. And actually, yeah, the, the point I wanted to make earlier is the more you open your heart, this is very important, the more discriminative you are with who you want to allow into your body. Mm-hmm. who you want to share substances because you love yourself you're open it's like food you don't want to eat mcdonald's and shit if you care yourself if you have a healthy body you don't just put any shit in your body you mm-hmm. begin to, to to care for it so it's the same with this so you don't become more more promiscuous you become more erotic but mm-hmm. not necessarily more active Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes, I mean, it is as well about taking that um yeah, idea of love outside of the sexual relationships and in your friendships and in your your family. I think an issue many people face when they get into deep love relationships with one other person is that they it kind of closes them off exclusively to that person and you hear those stories often of um people losing friends to relationships or losing family members because they disappear into a black hole of love or what they perceive as 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 love and you know polyamory is also that polyamory is keeping your heart open to having those deep friendships making space for those people in your life just because you have now a really a, a sexual intimate relationship with somebody still making space for those dear ones those friendships those family members um you have intimacy with everybody else mm-hmm. but not in that sexual way 
mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. family members, with, with everyone else. This is kind of, wow. Uh, um, the, the thing about you were saying losing friends and losing family members and losing things and you go into this black hole and of 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 you and that person and that and it's almost like us the babes in the wood syndrome you know mm-hmm. the world against us and mm-hmm. you know the world so i don't have to bother to to make myself vulnerable or to explain or to relate because i'm going to go home and this person is going to understand everything and, and we can collude about everything and actually when they don't then we we go crazy mm-hmm. and attack them brutally for not for not because they are the ones Mm-hmm. The world is the world is like you know what people are like horrible horrible but I <laughs> baby and it's not even true and then that's why the antagonism and the rowing to make sure that that's the integral is exhausting mm-hmm. yeah it really is <laughs> for all, for all the audiences listening to us that they are you're all in monogamous relationships or not it's not a thumbs down on monogamy and thumbs up on polyamory is mm. thumbs up on intimacy and relationship with life, with yourself, with the whole. Mm-hmm. It's not about uh, saying this is the way forward now. No, the way forward is relationship. And that doesn't mean sexuality it means mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah keeping the heart open and yeah, realizing that um, it's good for us. It's good to us to nourish ourselves from different things as well. So it's again with focus on polyamory and sexuality, intimacy, but like variation is good for us and um, diversity is good for us. So, you know, in all ways of life. So yeah, we, we cannot and we should not expect um, to get all of our everything from one person. From one diet. From one diet, exactly. It's like food, you know, we need, mm-hmm. we need variety because there is so many, uh, life is continuously experiences moving and fluctuating and changing. And I, I, I'm sure we all remember I remember that when I had these infatuations or these things I would call falling in love with people, you fall in love with them and they're like, whoa, and you put them in the pedestal and you feel all those amazing feelings. And then you get closer or you don't even go very far with them. And then you know them a bit more and you think, whoa, thanks God I didn't get involved. Yeah, because we project a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different parts of me. And then you saw, no, this is not, not good for me. It's like those those cakes in those shops that they're so alluring and you get close and they're so beautiful, but you think, no, my body, how is my body going to feel if I is, you know? And, mm-hmm. whoa, you know, and that's, that's the listening, isn't it? That's the listening mm-hmm. that we're told to do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, we're getting into sort of very, very poignant points here, but I wanted to ask you before we bring this conversation to a close, um, something about the word consent, because you've been saying quite a bit about it. So tell us a bit about this word and what do you mean? Mm. Consent. Um, So I teach 
consent in the sense of helping people to find their their voice. Um, I think sometimes we think consent means um, it's all about the saying no, and um, uh, you know if you if you're um, if you're good with your boundaries and, and consent, then you know what you want and what you don't want. Um, when I'm teaching and working with consent, it's as much about the the, the yes as it is the no. Um, uh, consent for me is um, starts with the knowing of yourself, like deeply knowing yourself and what you want and what you need, um, and then finding the finding the the voice to be able to express that. Um, yeah, consensual non-monogamy. Obviously, the, the the consent part of that is the is is the communication. You know, we talk about the communication and freedom, but um, it's about the the truth and the honesty being on the table. So, um, in non-monogamy, you know, it becomes consensual when everyone is speaking their truth about um, their needs and what they want and what they don't want. So consent, of course, is also very related to this, the nose and the, and the um, standing up for what we, what we don't want. Um, but it's also very much about expressing what we really, really do want and what we need. Um, so yeah, like finding your yes and finding your no, I think is, is key for all of us. And it's something that we... Um, we really have to go back and learn, I feel, as adults. It's um completely not go back. Go back where if we go back. Yeah. We have to go back to <laughs> we have to learn. Yeah. This, I love to bring our conversation to that point of consent, which is clear communication, which mm-hmm. is key to it all is the listening to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not used to listen to ourselves. We just say, yes, no, do you want to do this? Oh, yes. Usually propelled by loneliness. Somebody is like saying something to me. I got to say yes, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to be with that person, but it doesn't mean that I want penetration or I want them to touch me here, but I want to slowly, slowly in my own rhythm and listening to that person's rhythm, what's true and authentic emerging in this moment, in this moment for both of us, not later, not because I've said yes to you now to this move, to this expression. It means that in half an hour, I'm still saying yes, or in 10 minutes. It's so fast when you're listening. And then the next question is, how do I share my yes and my no and my no and my yes? And it's something that we touched on the last um podcast that you make your communication clear and we were saying to to we were talking about imagine that i say to you i want you to kiss me right and you also feel the energy and that is there just kissing okay and then that process begins we begin to communicate uh with that expression in this case with our lips And then I feel I don't want to kiss you anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe for you, you still in that case, you still want more because you haven't arrived or maybe you don't have such a good listening to yourself like I do. Right. So then how I do, no, thank you. Sorry. No more. Oh, that was terrible. I mean, how do I, because you've opened, you've opened to me mm-hmm. and then how do I say no? And, and, and not take care of your feelings or bear on your kissing when I don't want anymore because I'm afraid to hurt you. I mean, this is a massive mm-hmm. subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel it's about focusing actually on, then there's another teaching and learning to be done in the receiving of no. So then, you know, we talk about, you're talking about how do I say no? Um, But I think the key is really about the person receiving the no. I think we need to start to um, teach ourselves and and as society understand that like um, if someone is, putting a boundary there or saying no to something that it's because they are looking after themselves and that we should be receiving that no and saying, you know, thank you and saying, okay, I I see that you're, you're saying no, and that's for you. I think the issue that is um, that we have, a lot of us are so scared to say no is because we we're scared of the reaction of the other you know, that's, we're scared that they will get angry or we're scared that we will hurt their feelings. So um, in consent, it's, a, it's an, as much about learning to say yes and no and also how to receive those, those no's and especially those no's. Um, but also how do you transmit the no? Because if I, I there is an energy and mm-hmm. we've just been open kissing and if I because I have this inherent fear of your reaction because of my family, because of other people before, because our culture does not like to receive no's. And the only way I would put no is with a dash or a spoonful or huge amounts of aggression. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're not only going to receive a no, you will receive my aggression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which could be polite. No, 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 you don't want it anymore. <laughs> but it's not of aggression. So it's not just receiving the no. You all of a sudden, I mean, it's complex because you've you've opened, then I shut the door, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to do it in a way that is fully responsible for my choice and I don't have to inflict you with the push. Mm-hmm. So of course you're going to struggle with my no if I say no. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Mm-hmm. Shock to start with. So you have to deal with shock. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I think there's ways, ways to say no. And I think we can say it softly. We can, um, you know, sometimes when I'm um, working with people one on one and we're practicing this, um, the invitation is to to say if it's going to be a no what else are you willing to um open up to you know so that that can also be helpful for people um if it, you know this is a no but actually this might be a yes so um if we're kissing and suddenly i'm feeling i don't feel like i want to kiss you anymore instead of saying like no this has to stop and pulling away and it doesn't have to be that 
far, but I think um, coming into a, a feeling in the body of like, what are you open to and offering that person something else as well. Bringing in choice can be a nice way as long as you're feeling it. So it might be, you know, in this way, it's like, I don't feel like I, I want to kiss you anymore, but maybe we can go and cuddle. You know, so there's bringing in other options. This can be softer and easier for people. Um, we're scared to reject people and we're scared to, for other people to feel rejected or angry. So sometimes there's a way of, you know, giving them a, a choice of something that you are willing to do can be helpful. But honestly, most of it, it's really, it takes practice. Like it really takes practice. Like we we physically have to, physically we we have to be shouting and learning how to say no like when I work with clients one-on-one I'm um just working with them expressing their no over and over again and and it's full of the violence and the aggression of no's that were boundaries that were crossed so Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. that person is impossible for have this sophistication that we're talking about here Mm -hmm. and I want to also bring awareness to this thing about the protection of each other because we're terrified of rejection. And that rejection points again to that same point of Achilles I talked about, our insecurity. And my fear of rejection is that if you reject me, I'm going to feel lonely. And lonely is the disconnection, is the loss of other Mm -hmm. and the absence of myself. And aloneness is the presence to myself and my connection. And then I don't have to fear because it's not the concept of rejection is not there. It's like you're mm-hmm. choosing and I celebrate you in your choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Celebrate me. And, you know, it's not that you're rejecting me. It's like you're ever making choices continuously. It's like saying, you know, do you want tea or coffee? And you say coffee. So the tea is going to feel all rejected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, but you always drank tea before, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Is, is, is as child is as that I feel yeah I think we have to learn that alongside is is letting go of the rejection in order to to be um to feel stronger in those no's and yeah and those yeses so Luna it's been for me uh really exciting and exhilarating to be on this journey of discovering together um, what are we talking about when we say consensual, non-monogamous relationship? And and these are the times for to doing that. And what I'm taking away is the art of relationship with and the art of listening to oneself. And mm-hmm. then naturally it will extend to the other. Um, these are kind of my closing words for for of all the gems that we've, you know, shared here together. Do you have any final words on this epic subject? <laughs> yeah, um, I think whatever type of relationship that you're choosing, however many people, even especially if it's one person, um, keep the heart open. I think that's, that's such a strong message. Um, moving through life with the heart open. Yeah. Beautiful closing words to this episode. So beloved listeners, 
uh, I trust and we trust that uh, the different threads that we have weaved together with Luna has been deeply nourishing and inspiring for your own relationships. And if you want to know more about Luna, please look at the link below and there is all the information that you may need to, to find out more about what Luna is up to. And for us, thank you for listening and join us on the next episode. Bye-bye for now, Luna. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm.